The Torah tells us that when we come to the promised land, God will choose a place that he will rest and we will offer sacrifices there. But we are told that this place will only be chosen once we are secure from all our enemies. Now, when Israel first came into the promised land, um, they had the Mishkan, the temporary temple with them um, that they had brought with them from, uh, that they had with them in the desert. They kept that temporary temple for 14 years as they conquered and divided the land. Once everyone settled in their lands, they built a more permanent structure in a place called Shiloh. But it was not God's permanent place. It was only a place for God or a temple until God chose his permanent city, which could only be chosen once Israel was secure. Shiloh lasted for about 350 years until it was destroyed in a war with the Philistines um, in the days of the high priest Eli, just before when the prophet Samuel was a young boy. Um, later, much later towards the end of Samuel's life, he appointed um, King Saul as a king and later King David. King David succeeded in um, King David succeeded in um, securing Israel. And towards the end of Samuel's life, before King David became king, Samuel instructed him that once he secures Israel, he should choose the city of Jerusalem as God's permanent place, as God's permanent resting place on earth, as the holy city of Judaism. So indeed, when David first became king, the kingdom was split between a northern and southern kingdom. David originally became king in the city of Hebron, which was in the tribe of Judah, which was his native tribe in the very south of Israel. But later, when he united Israel seven years later, he chose Jerusalem as his capital, as the capital of Israel, and the place to build God's holy temple. And since then, Jerusalem has always been the center of Judaism. It has always been the center, the capital of the Jewish people, and we believe the home for God. It is the holiest place on earth, and it is the place that we all turn to whenever we pray. In the book of Daniel, it tells us that Daniel turned to Jerusalem when he would pray. And we, of course, do the same today. We always face in our prayers towards Jerusalem. So the city of Jerusalem actually predated David. And we, the first mention of the city is already in the days of Abraham. We are told that Abraham met Malki Tzedek who was the king of Shalem. Shalem is identified as Jerusalem um, in its time. The king at the time was called Malki Tzedek. Later, the, king, the Canaanite king is called Adoni Tzedek. It's not clear who Malki Tzedek is, though the Midrash tells us that Malki Tzedek was actually Abraham's ancestor, Shem, the son of Noah, who in the um, portion of Noah in the book of Genesis tells us lived for very long, for over 600 years, and was still alive when Abraham was, uh, was still alive in the days of Abraham. And so he was then the king of Shalem. The Torah tells us that it was a monotheistic place, while most of the world at the time of Abraham was pagan. In Shalem, Jerusalem, they were monotheists, and they had over there a temple for God, and Abraham donated money to the temple there in Shalem in Jerusalem. Later, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Yitzchak on Mount Moriah. Um, Mount Moriah is the hill that overlooks ancient Jerusalem, and um, later the hill where King Solomon would build the temple. 
And he called that place, the Torah tells us, Hashem Yireh, God shall see. God shall see the holiness of this place. And so um, our sages say that the name Yerushalayim, or Jerusalem, is a combination of those two words, Yireh, the name that Abraham called it, which means see, and Shalem, which means perfect, its original name. So it becomes Yerushalayim, see, perfection. Um, it's sometimes referred to as Yerushalayim. Um, in scripture, it's actually written that way, although we always pronounce it Yerushalayim. In Aramaic, it was called Yerushalayim. And it appears that the anglicized Jerusalem, which is really from the Greek version of the word, um, comes from the word Yerushalayim which was another way that the city was referred to. Um, when, Moses, when Joshua led the people into the promised land uh, after the death of Moses, Jerusalem at the time was a Canaanite city. Uh, we've actually found ancient Egyptian inscriptions referring to Jerusalem as from, when, from before Joshua entered the land, from when it was a Canaanite city. Uh, both as a city under Egyptian rule, when Egypt ruled Canaan, um, as well as a city that Egypt was fighting with at one point. And uh, while the name Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Torah, Yerushalayim is not mentioned in the Torah, only the name Shalem, it is mentioned by its name Yerushalayim already at the beginning of the book, of, already in the book of Joshua, and it is mentioned repeatedly hundreds and hundreds of times throughout Tanakh, throughout our scripture. It is mentioned more than any other city. Um, in Israel. Sometimes we have other names, of course, for Jerusalem. Sometimes it's referred to as Ir David, the city of David. Sometimes it's referred to as Hartzion, Mount Zion. Um, and then there are many other names that it's referred to as well um, as a city of, it is some, in one place in Psalms referred to again as Shalem, its original Canaanite name. Um, and it is sometimes referred to other names as well. So when Joshua entered the land with the people, we're told that he captured the city of Jerusalem um, and killed its king. Um, but it appears that it was then right after he captured it, they captured the land very quickly. And um, they were not able to hold a lot of some of these towns. And among them, Jerusalem, the, um, the uh, Canaanites or the Jebusites re-inhabited Jerusalem in the days of Joshua before Israel had a chance to settle it. Um, it became, was inhabited by Jebusites, and it became known as Ir Yavus, or the Jebusite city. Um, the city bordered the lands, when the land of Israel was divided among 12 tribes, the city of Jerusalem bordered the land of Judah, the tribe of Judah, and the tribe of Benjamin. Judah to the south, Benjamin to the north. The southern half of the city was given to Judah, while the northern half of the city was given to Benjamin. In the beginning of the book of Judges, the book of Shoftim, it tells us that after the death of Joshua, Judah succeeded in capturing the lower half of the city. However, Benjamin failed to cap the tribe Benjamin failed to recapture the upper half of the city. And as a result, the Jebusites continued to live in Jerusalem for some 400 years until the days of King David. Later, however, David succeeded in capturing Jerusalem after he secured, when he um, united Israel 
he succeeded in capturing Jerusalem from the Jebusites, as well as driving out the other small pockets of Canaanites that were still living in the land of Israel. He then, after capturing Jerusalem from the Jebusites, he then, the Temple Mount was the private property belonging to a Jebusite called Aravna. And um, David did not want to take it without um, illegally. And so David asked Aravna to sell him the land of the Temple Mount. And Aravna, where it describes in the book of, at the end of the book of Samuel, Aravna agreed and he sold David the town, the Temple Mount, which is a hill just north of what was then the old city of Jerusalem. So David then made Jerusalem his capital. He built his palace there, and he built a temporary temple um, called Bet Arazim, the house of cedar, on the Temple Mount. Um, he was told by the prophet Nathan not to build the temple itself, since he was a man of war. His son Solomon Shlomo, who will be a man of peace, um, since David had secured the land of Israel, and so therefore there won't be any battles for him to fight, will be the one to actually build the first temple there. So the city of David continued as Israel's capital in the days of King Solomon. King Solomon expanded the city. He built a beautiful temple on the Temple Mount. In the area between the city of Jerusalem, and the Temple Mount, he built a huge palace, remnants of which we have found in archeological digs. And um, it is a massive palace. You can see the remnants of today, um, a uh, palace almost as big as the city itself in those days. Um, presumably it served not only as a palace, but also as an entire administrative center. Um, we have evidence for that that we found archeologically. And um, the city then served as the capital of Israel throughout the period of the first temple, or the, known as the period of the kings, when the descendants of David continued to rule first all of Israel and then southern Israel for the next 400 years. The city not only served as a capital, but also served as the religious center of Judaism. The temple stood there as well as the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council of Judaism that made all final decisions for Judaism um, and had the authority to, to institute new laws, um, sat next to the temple, and um, so therefore was also the center of Judaism. With time, now the city of, the old city of David sat in an area that is just south of the Temple Mount today, which would be... Um, in the town, uh, which uh, just south of the Temple Mount today, which would be in an area now known as Ir David, city of D David, or the Arabs call it um, Siwan. Um, and it's um, an area that's actually outside of the old city today. It's outside of um, Jerusalem's old city. It's just south of where the Temple Mount is. That's where original, David's original city was. And that's where Solomon's city was. Later, during the first temple period, the city expanded to another hill just um, west of the city of David called Hartzion, um, Mount Zion. And that was then known as the upper city because it's a little bit higher, uh, higher elevation than the city of David itself or the original city of Jerusalem. 
The city during this period was invaded by a number of times, by the Egyptians, by the northern kingdom of Israel, by Arameans, by others. Um, and then in the days of King Chizkiyahu, Chizkiyahu lived um, about um, 600 or so, 550, 600 um, BCE. In the days of Chizkiyahu, the Assyrians laid siege to the city. In preparation for the siege, Chizkiyahu fortified the walls of the city. He also, re the city of Jerusalem, its water source comes from the Gihon. The Gihon is an, under, is an underground spring that, um, <clears throat> that comes out of the ground at the foot of Jerusalem, at the foot of the hill of Jerusalem, or originally came out of the ground at the foot of the hill of Jerusalem. And so King Chizkiyahu diverted that, and that was their main water source. King Chizkiyahu diverted that spring, the sources of that spring, as it is underground, digging an underground tunnel that ended up in a pool called the Shiloach within the walls of Jerusalem. And that both deprived, that stopped the Gihon from flowing into the Kidron Valley that runs along the eastern border, along the eastern, the east of Jerusalem. And that both stopped the Assyrians from having access to fresh water, as well as get, guaranteed the city inhabitants access to water. And indeed, today you can go, we've found those tunnels that were dug by King Chizkiyahu, um, and you can actually tour those tunnels um, that those water tunnels that Chizkiyahu had dug back then, some tw over 2,500 years ago. Um, miraculously, the, uh, we're told, and there's a story mentioned multiple times in Tanakh, that Chis the Assyrian armies fell at the gates of Jerusalem. They all died in one night, saving Jerusalem and really saving the land of Israel. Um, the city of Jerusalem continued for, about Israel, uh, continued for about 150 years. It suffered further invasions after that um, by, the by the Assyrians, Babylonians, um, later by the Egyptians, and until finally the Babylonians captured the city. In 421 BCE, the Babylonians destroyed, captured the city of Jerusalem for the final time, destroyed the temple, destroyed the entire city, and exiled the people from Jerusalem. And for about 50 years, the city of Jerusalem remained desolate. Nobody lived in the city. It was only 50 years later, the Babylonian Empire was captured by, a, by the Persians and Medes. And when Cyrus became king of what was now the Persian Mede Empire, which included the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, Cyrus allowed, or in Hebrew, Sorry for the background noise. In Hebrew, Koresh allowed for um, the rebuilding of Jerusalem and for the rebuilding of the temple. And Jews returned to Jerusalem, led by Zerubbabel, a descendant of King David and uh, uh, the leader of Jews in Babylon, and Yahushua Kohen Gadol. And they began to rebuild Jerusalem as well as rebuild the temple. It was a very, very slow process that was stopped by the Persians for a number of years. Um, and it was, only a, it was only in about 351 BC that they finally um, completed 
the building of the temple and um, uh, the building of the second temple. And then slowly Jews began to trickle back to Jerusalem and Jerusalem once again became a Jewish center. Ezra led the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council from Babylon, back to Jerusalem, once again making Jerusalem the site of the temple and the site of the Supreme Council, the Sanhedrin, and the great yeshiva's schools that went along with the Sanhedrin, making Jerusalem once again the center of Judaism. In 312 BCE, according to our Jewish tradition, um, the city of Jerusalem was captured by um, Alexander, um, the Greek emperor, uh, without a battle. Without, uh, it was captured without any fight. And um, it, it then fell under Greek rule. Alexander allowed them to continue serving in, uh, to continue serving in the temple and um, for Jerusalem to continue to flourish. It later fell under the rule of the, after the Greek empire split up, it fell under the rule of the Ptolemies of Egypt. Later, it fell under Greek Syrian rule, and it was then when the Greeks, under the leadership of Antiochus, um, outlawed Jewish practice, brought Greek soldiers into Jerusalem, um, where they forbade Judaism, and they turned the temple into a Greek temple, for Greek idols. It was only about 167 BC when the Hashmonaim recaptured Jerusalem from the Greeks that they refurbished um, the temple and um, the temple resumed to be a center and Jerusalem resumed being a center for Judaism. Now under Hashmonai rule, the city expanded. It expanded to the north um, covering uh, the area of expanded beyond what had been originally the city of David um, on, um, in the Silwan um, today, or what's called the city of David, the hill of the city of David, south of the Temple Mount. It expanded um, westward to Mount Zion, as it had in the days of the first temple. It expanded further north to what today is the old city of Jerusalem, the Jewish quarter and the Armenian quarter. And um, then it began expanded even further north to cover much of what today is the old city of Jerusalem, the Christian quarter, and even parts of the Muslim quarter. Um, the, what today is the Jewish and Armenian quarter became known as the upper city, since it's a higher elevation um, than uh, above the original city of Jerusalem. And um, it became the place where the Hashmonai leaders built their palaces, and it became a um, upper class area of Jerusalem, and then the city expanded further north, and the area further north became known as the market area. Rabbi? Yes. Before you get too far beyond it, uh, you talked about the temple having been occupied and filled with idols, yes. and then refurbished, so to speak. I thought that God basically said anything that had idols in it had to be totally destroyed. Uh, well, why the idols were destroyed, but the temple itself had been built for God. It hadn't been built for the idols. So, so that they, allowed they, it they, to be they destroyed the idols. They switched out the altar, which had been used for idol worship, and everything else that had been used for idol worship, but then they refurbished it. It had originally been built for God. They didn't have to destroy the building. Thank you. Sure. So then, um, so under, so the city really flourished in those um, later days of the Second Temple under Hashmona'i rule. 
In 37 BCE, Herod, with the help of the Romans, captured Jerusalem, making himself king of Israel. Herod himself was an Edomite whose father had been forcibly converted by an earlier Hashmonai king um, to Judaism. And he was a despot, um, hated by the people, mass murderer. He was also a big build builder. And as part of his building, he expanded the Temple Mount and rebuilt the city of Jerusalem, um, uh, re uh, refurbished the temple. He also built a beautiful, beautiful palaces, some of which remains of which we found. And he also fortified the city by building three walls around the city, making it very, very heavily fortified. Uh, the Romans got a little upset with the extent that he was fortifying the city. They were afraid um, of rebellion. Um, later, those fortifications would help Jerusalem withstand the siege for two and a half years. Um, he also built a series of forts along the walls, one of which, known today as Migdal David, Tower of David, um, or David Citadel, um, in, the, is, in the western wall of the city, still stands today, or at least the tower has been rebuilt on the remnants that still stand today. And you can see still um, the moat around it and parts of the fort that um, are clearly built by Herod, um, but some of it, but the higher parts of it were expanded today were expanded more recently in more recent times. So at its height, before its destruction, Jerusalem is described by Josephus as being a city with 600,000 inhabitants. Um, during the war, it swelled even more as refugees um, uh, fled to the city. But it would swell during, Josephus describes it as swelling during um, pilgrimage times during the three festivals of Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot, to two and a half million people. Um, in another Greek account, we have of, of the number of Passover sacrifices that were offered one Passover, being over 500,000 Passover sacrifices. Um, we don't know how many people would eat each lamb, but you can imagine it was a dozen or more that would eat a lamb. And so um, you can imagine the millions of people that would come to Jerusalem during the pilgrimage time. There were open areas within Jerusalem um, and around Jerusalem where the pilgrims would be able to stay um, in tents during these festive um, periods. So Jerusalem during this period was the center of religious leadership. The um, temple stood there. The Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council, was based there. All of the largest and most prestigious yeshivas flourished over there in the last hundred years of the second temple, um, what we can call the heyday of Jerusalem. When Jerusalem reached its ancient heights, it was the home to two very prestigious and famous yeshivas schools, one known as Bet Shammai, the house of Shammai. It had been founded by a Jewish leader called Shammai, and the other one known as Bet Hillel, the house of Hillel, uh, both very famous schools um, that debated many issues in the Talmud. Um, and uh, they were, and Jerusalem really then was at its height, um, both in size, in prestige. It's described by many Greeks during this period, by Romans, um, in awe of the beauty of the city, the size of the city, the beauty of the temple. Um, the pilgrimage is described in many sources, um, the size of the pilgrimage. And so this lasted until the year 66, 
when Jerusalem was the center of a rebellion against the Romans. Um, and the Romans gradually crushed the rebellion. And after a two-year siege, two-and-a-half-year siege, the Romans captured and destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, we believe it was in the year 69 um, of our current counting, although some date up to the year 70. Following the destruction of the Second Temple, Jerusalem laid in ruins for decades. It was not rebuilt, it just laid in ruins. It appears that there were very few, if any, inhabitants during this period. Um, it had been totally destroyed in the war. The Emperor Hadrian, later in the early 100s, built a Roman city on the site of Jerusalem that he called Aila Capitolina. It appears to have still remained a minor town. Jews were forbidden from living in this Roman city. Um, but Jerusalem doesn't seem, although it was, it's mentioned, um, the new city that he built. And we've, uh, archaeologists recently found a small stadium and other remnants of the Roman city from its Roman time, from this period. Um, it appears to have remained a minor Roman town until Rome converted to Christianity in the early 300s. And then Emperor Constantine um, rebuilt Jerusalem as a Christian city. The uh, Church of Nativity was then built, and other major churches were built in Jerusalem, um, including, we believe, a church on the Temple Mount. Many Christians flocked there to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem grew then as a Christian city, but Jews were forbidden from living during this period within Jerusalem. It's possible that some small numbers of Jews did live in Jerusalem during this period. There seems to be such some evidence, um, but largely Jews did not live in Jerusalem during this period. It was in the early 600s that the Persians, led by King Karsau, um, with the help of a Jewish army from Babylon, which was at the time a major Jewish center or the major Jewish center, it was an autonomous Jewish state there in Babylon. Um, so with the help of a Jewish army from Babylon, captured Jerusalem from the Christians and um, allowed Jews to settle there. And many Jews did settle there, originally with the intent of building the temple. The Persian king didn't allow them to do so, but many Jews did settle there during this period. It lasted only for 10 years. After 10 years, the Byzantines recaptured Jerusalem and slaughtered all the Jews living in, that had moved to Jerusalem during this period. Not long afterwards, in 637, the Caliph Omar, who was a son-in-law of Mohammed, um, captured Jerusalem. And after capturing Jerusalem, although initially he did not allow Jews as part of a treaty with Christians, he did not allow Jews to live there. Um, not long afterwards, he did allow Jews to live in the city of Jerusalem. Um, the Arabs themselves um, changed the name of, called Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa, which means the holy sanctuary um, or the holy city. Um, and they, uh, and they, oh, they built the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the, um, uh, on the edge, on the southern edge of the Temple Mount, where originally the um, market had been on the Temple Mount. And they also built a do the Dome of the Rock then in the 600s on the center of the Temple Mount. And Jews were now able to live in Jerusalem for the first time since the destruction of the Temple in almost 600 years. And um, Jews were able to live there and did live there in very large numbers, though they were second-class citizens. Lewis, did you have a question?
Yes. So um, the the Arab name for Yerushalayim is Al Quds, like Kodesh. Al Quds. My mistake. Al Quds. My mistake. All right, thank you for the correction. Al Quds, which means the holy city. Sorry. I, right. I, the Al Aqsa. Al Aqsa is the mosque. mosque, which means the far away mosque in Arabic, is their third holiest site, but not not the city. Thank you, Lewis, for the correction. Yes, the city is called Al Quds, which means the holy city. Yes. Um, thank you. So, um, in, so Jews lived there peacefully for over 400 years. They were second-class citizens. They had to pay very high taxes um, as second-class citizens, and they were very limited in what they were able to do, but there was a large community in Jerusalem for the next 400 years that lasted until 1099. In 1099, the Crusaders captured Jerusalem and when they did so, they killed all the Arabs and Jews in the city. Jews were then forbidden from living in Jerusalem until the Arabs recaptured it in 1187 and allowed Jews to return. Um, for the next hundred years or so, the city of Jerusalem went back and forth between Christians, uh, um, the Crusaders, and Arabs. And uh, there were times we have th in the... 1200s and 1300s, we have many um, records of people who visited Jerusalem. Um, some visited Jerusalem finding communities. Um, Binyamin of Toledo was a famous traveler who visited Jerusalem during this period. Maimonides visited Jerusalem during this period. Ramban, Nachmanides did as well, and many others, um, Rabbi Chil of pa Paris. And um, some found... Um, Rav Moshe ben Nachman Ramban found only two Jews in Jerusalem. Maimonides found no Jews in Jerusalem, while others found small communities there. And it really, because of all the wars um, and all the destruction, um, there were periods that Jews were able to live there and then they were killed or kicked out. Um, and this lasted for um, some time until um, the late 1200s when um, <coughs> the when the Egyptians and Arabs captured, Arab Egyptians captured Jerusalem again, and Jews were able to live there, but they were really at mercy of the local Arabs who were not very kind to Jews, and living in Jerusalem was very hard. The Jewish communion in Jerusalem was very, very small at the time. It wasn't until 1517 that the Ottomans captured Jerusalem, and when the Ottomans captured Jerusalem, they were very tolerant of Jews in general. They welcomed Jews throughout their um, empire, and um, they allowed Jews to move to Jerusalem. And many Jews, particularly Jews who had fled Spain after the Spanish expulsion, um, moved to Jerusalem, building a sizable Jewish community in Jerusalem. The Ottomans put a lot of, invested heavily in Jerusalem. They built a wall around what today we know is the old city. They built a wall around it. They filled in um, some of the valleys within Jerusalem, the valley between the old city, well, today is the old city, and the Temple Mount was filled in. Um, they um, <coughs> refurbished the mosques in Jerusalem and um, rebuilt um, the um, David Citadel and uh, many other things, and really the city um, developed the city as it looks like today. And starting from the 1500s, there was a sizable Sephardic community um, in Jerusalem throughout. Ashkenazic Jews came to Jerusalem during this period, but in fairly small numbers, um, and larger groups that came didn't um, 
last for very long. It was really only in the early 1800s that large groups, the first group coming from um, Lithuania, um, and large group known as the Prussian, large groups of Ashkenazic Jews began settling in Jerusalem in fairly large numbers. In 1832, Egypt, which was under at the time under control of um, Ibrim Pasha, who was um, a who had essentially made Egypt independent of the Ottomans, um, captured Jerusalem from the Ottomans. And as a result of that, European powers at the time, England, Austria, France, um, intervened. They didn't, they, um, on behalf of the Ottoman Empire and restored Ottoman control to Jerusalem um, and to other parts of the Levant, of the Eastern Mediterranean. And um, as a result, there was a renewed European interest in the city of Jerusalem, Christian European interest in the city of Jerusalem. And uh, starting in the 1840s, every major European country built a, um, a consulate in Jerusalem, including the United States as well, built a consulate in Jerusalem in 1844, uh, along with every other major Christian country built consulates in Jerusalem and in the, all in the 1840s. And um, Jerusalem essentially became, while under Ottoman control, became an international city. Um, by 1850, majority of the inhabitants of Jerusalem were Jewish, most of whom were, um, they were told the numbers in 1850 in a census, um, there were 18,000 people living in Jerusalem, majority of whom were Jewish. Um, a majority of the Jews at the time already being Ashkenazic Jews or Jews from Europe. And most of these Jews retained their European citizenship. And though many of these Jews were persecuted in their home countries, in Austria, in Prussia, in Russia, in um, France, and in, in France they already had, uh, had emancipation by this point, but in other countries, although Jews were persecuted, here in Jerusalem, they were recognized as citizens of their home countries, as part of the international um, makeup of the city, and they essentially were the representative citizens of each European country in that city, and they were granted protections by their uh, countries of origin that they did not get in, uh, that they didn't have in Europe itself. And so that led to a very, um, to a lar large numbers of Jews moving to Jerusalem. There was now an ability for Jews to move to Jerusalem in a way they hadn't been able to um, until then. And the city of Jerusalem really from the 1840s developed very, very, very rapidly um, under as th this international city, under the, the protection of, these internet, of the European consulates and European countries. In fact, many of the consuls themselves were even Jewish, coming from countries where um, you weren't allowed, to, Jews were not allowed to hold um, public office, but they were made as consuls in Jerusalem, representing the Christian interests within the city. And so, as the numbers grew in the 1850s, the old city of Jerusalem, um, within the walled city built by the Ottomans, um, was bursting was very, very large. It had um, a very, was by now 
um, <clears throat> majority almost two-thirds Jewish, and um, the Jewish community was growing very, 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 very rapidly, but there was no more housing within the city. There was no space to build housing. It was a very, very crowded city. And so um, in the 1850s, um, Moses Montefiore, who was a famous um, Jewish leader and, um, uh, and um, philanthropist from uh, Britain, um, led a drive to build, uh, to build neighborhoods in Jerusalem outside of the city. He started, he built the first um, neighborhood with a grant from a, actually an American Jew called Judah Turo. Um, called, uh, he built the first neighborhood outside the city and then quickly built multiple new neighborhoods outside the city. And in the second half of the 19th century, Jerusalem quickly grew west of the old city, outside of the old city of Jerusalem, until by the early 20th century, the new city, meaning the city outside of the walls, was much, much larger than the old city of um, Jerusalem. By the eve of World War I in 1914, there were 72,000 residents in the city of, Jeru of Jerusalem, two-thirds of whom um, were Jewish at this point. Um, now, until this point, Jerusalem had little industry itself to speak of. Um, most of the, a big percentage, of, a big amount of the money coming to Jerusalem, there were local stores or kind of a local economy. Um, and, uh, but a big amount of the money coming to Jerusalem was coming from charity. Um, communities throughout Europe would give money um, to support Jewish communities, and much of the money was given to charity, um, uh, coming from charity, which would support young people in Jerusalem who would dedicate their life to Torah study. So Jerusalem became a center with yeshivas, with schools, with scholars, and was a great center of Torah learning. Um, in the early 1900s, the Hebrew University was built on Haratzofim, on uh, Mount Scopus, uh, just north of the old city. And um, it also became a center of secular study. Um, and uh, the, uh, the library was built, um, the Hebrew li library was built at, at that time. And so it really became, it was a great Jewish center. It didn't have much industry at the time, but it was a center of Jewish learning. There were also many retirees that had retired, wealthy retirees from around the world that would retire there as well. In 1914, the city was devastated by World War I. Um, the Ottomans forced all citizens of um, allied powers to leave Israel. So all Jews and every, everyone, in, all, most Jews in Jerusalem at the time had foreign citizenship, uh, at least all Ashkenazic Jews. Um, so all Jews from France, England, um, Russia, all had to leave. Um, only the Germans and Austrians are allowed to remain. And so many Jews were forced to leave then. And um, in, in 1918, the British took control of Israel, but with the mandate to create a Jewish state. However, as a result of Arab agitation, they quickly placed a lot of limits on Jews. There was a lot of limits on Jewish movement into Israel. Jews could no longer freely immigrate to Israel as they were able to until 1814. There were great limits. Um, the Jews were also limited on where they were allowed to build. They weren't allowed to continue building um, during this period. Um, Jerusalem still continued to grow as a city. 
1948, Jews fought to, in the War of Independence, Jews fought for Jerusalem, um, although, although it was under Arab siege for much of the war. Um, they were able to break through the siege and save the city, but they did lose control of the old city and the Temple Mount. Um, due to British policies, um, Jews were throughout the British mandate had been gradually um, forced out of the old city, and there was only a very small Jewish community at this time in the old city. And once Israel lost the old, old city and Jordanians took control, they forced all Jews out. Um, so it wasn't until 1967 that Israel took control of the entire city of Jerusalem and united it. So Jerusalem today has, is, has built up to a city of close to a million people, um, about two-thirds of whom are Jewish. It's once again a center of Jews and a center of Judaism. It's the capital of Israel, the Knesset, the um, parliament, as well as the office of the prime minister, the office of, of the office of the president, the Supreme Court, and all the major institutions of Israel are centered over there. It's also a home, a great remains a home of great Jewish spirituality. Um, it's home to many of the world's largest yeshivas and Torah centers um, in Jerusalem. It's of course the home to the Temple Mount. Um, we Jews are forbidden from going on the Temple Mount, but we come from all over the world to pray at the western wall of the Temple, which still stands today. And um, there's a large plaza, of course, in front of the western wall where we go to pray. Um, the old city of David sits today just outside the old city of Jerusalem as, uh, the, as the Ottomans had built it. Um, it sits just south of the city. And um, you can, many, we've dug up a lot of archeological records, including the remnants of Solomon's palace have been found. There's a number of holy places besides the Temple Mount and the Western Wall in Jerusalem, including David's grave, um, although there's some debate as to whether David was really buried there. The tome of Zechariah, the prophet, is on, found on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is thought to be the oldest um, continuous Jewish cemetery in the world. Um, it is a very a large Jewish cemetery. Jews are sent from all over the world to be buried there. Um, and many great Jewish leaders um, throughout the years were buried there and their tomb is there. Um, there's also in um, just north of the old city is a tomb of Shimon Hatzadik um, from the early second temple. And then um, north of Jerusalem, um, uh, very far north uh, in the northern tip of Jerusalem is the tomb of the prophet Samuel Shmuel Hanavi. So Jerusalem today, Israel is the holiest place on earth. Jerusalem, we believe, is the holiest place in Israel. And even with the temple destroyed, Jerusalem remains holy. And we still have, we have an obligation to go to Israel, to visit Jerusalem, and particularly for the festival, just as there was a mitzvah then to visit Jerusalem when the temple stood, we still have a mitzvah to visit Jerusalem. Um, in temple times, Jerusalem was, the, the entire city was where the sacrifices were able to be eaten. They could only be eaten within the city of Jerusalem. Um, the tithes, the ma'aser, um, that, that was brought to Jerusalem could only be eaten within Jerusalem. Today, we no longer eat sacrifices because we no longer have a temple standing. However, today, Jerusalem keeps Purim on a different day than the rest of the world, known as Shushan Purim, a day after the rest of the world, um, something that today is only done in Jerusalem. There are also a number of laws of holiness in Jerusalem. Jerusalem during biblical times and during second temple times was always kept perfectly clean. 
It was one of the few paved cities in the world where all of its streets were paved. And the reason for the cleanliness of Jerusalem, there were many regulations to ensure Jerusalem's cleanliness. We did a class some time ago about cleanliness in Judaism. The reason for the cleanliness in Jerusalem was because of the laws of Tumah and Tara, ritual purity. Somebody who was Tamei ritually impure could not go into the temple. And uh, coming in contact with a rodent, a dead rodent would make someone Tamei ritually impure. Jerusalem, therefore, was free of any rodents. And... Um, in order to keep it that way, there was no garbage in Jerusalem. Every family had to go daily and pour their garbage outside of Jerusalem. They could not pour their garbage in the streets of Jerusalem, as was done in most cities of the world throughout history. Um, and the streets of Jerusalem were paved and swept every single day, so they were kept 100% clean. Um, even under later rule, and the Ottoman rule, Jerusalem remained paved, was and remained a very, very, very clean city. The new city of Jerusalem is perhaps not as clean as the old city was. Um, but some of those laws remain. The Torah forbids us from leaving the dead overnight within the city of Jerusalem. And that is a law that is still kept today. Um, when someone dies in Jerusalem, they are buried within hours of death. Usually within two to three hours of death, they are buried. How do people know to go to the funeral? So anybody who's been to Jerusalem will have seen it. Um, there is a whole industry of people that hang up posters all over the city. When there's a funeral within an hour or so, they can hang up posters all over the city to let everyone know about the funeral. And they also have cars that go around with loudspeakers announcing um, the um, funeral before cars and before loudspeakers, they would have individuals walking around the city announcing funerals. Um, today we have social media, it's no longer necessary. Uh, but they still do that. Um, I was once hanging out with my friends um, late one I studied in Jerusalem for a year, and then we were once hanging out late one night. Um, I don't recall the exact time, but it was probably 1 or 2 a.m. Um, what we were doing up then, I don't remember. But uh, we, were in, we were in Jerusalem, um, and maybe we had gone to the Kotel then, and um, it was suddenly in the middle of, middle of the night, the city, the street suddenly filled with people, tens of thousands of people um, out of nowhere. We asked people what's going on, and they told us that a very famous Hasidic Rebbe, Islam Rebbe, had died and, um, a few hours ago, and it was his funeral now. So there it was, 2 a.m., there were tens of thousands of people there um, at this funeral. So, and that still happens till today in Jerusalem. Um, you can go, I mean, for there, there are funerals every night, um, late or um, when uh, late at night, but then you'll have large major funerals with major, you know, famous Jewish rabbis or leaders um, and will be um, any time of the night because they vary straight away. There are countless other customs. They don't use, um, they don't use coffins when they bury in Jerusalem. That's true, much of Israel. Uh, there's also countless other customs that are unique to Jerusalem, including a custom to begin Shabbat 40 minutes before sundown. Um, throughout the world, we generally begin Shabbat 18 minutes before sundown, but in Jerusalem, they begin Shabbat 40 minutes before sundown. And there are many other unique customs that have been developed in Jerusalem. So our Jerusalem in the past 150 years has really been rebuilt um, to larger than it was even in its heyday toward the end of the Second Temple. And it's once again a mostly Jewish city. We still ask God daily in our prayers to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Because so long as the temple remains unbuilt, 
So long as the Temple Mount remains uh, without the Temple, Jerusalem has not been restored to its proper glory. And so we Jews from all over the world prayed and yearned to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the Temple. And we still pray for that. Unfortunately, we cannot build the Temple today uh, for both political reasons and religious reasons. We rather wait for the coming of Moshiach when we and pray for that so that we will be able to fully rebuild the Temple and bring Jerusalem back to its true glory. For thousands of years, Jews have always waited, um, yearned to return to Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem. Much has been written, many poems were written um, describing the yearning for Jerusalem. Perhaps the most famous poem was written by Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, who lives in the 12th century, um, in his famous poem, Tzion Halotishali L'Shalom Asirayich. Um, the poem in its English translation reads, my heart is in the east. He was in Spain when he wrote this. My heart is in the east and I am in the uttermost west. How can I find tasty food? How can it be sweet to me? How can I um, follow my vows and my bonds while Zion lies under the control of Edom and I am in Arab chains? Um, a light thing it would seem to me to leave all the good of Spain and see how precious to my eyes to behold the dust of your desolate temple. And so that's just a poem written, famous poem written by Rabbi Yudah Levi about the beauty of Jerusalem. It rhymes in the Hebrew. And um, he eventually, Rabbi Yudah Levi, after writing numerous poems about Jerusalem, um, eventually indeed did make it to Jerusalem. He made it during that difficult time we mentioned earlier of the 12th century when um, there were many wars between Arabs and Christians, crusaders um, over Jerusalem. Um, and indeed, um, we, as recorded, he made, came to Jerusalem, made it to the gate of Jerusalem, and there in the gate he was trampled to death by an Arab on a horse um, as he entered the gates of Jerusalem and died there in Jerusalem. So we pray um, for the opportunity to return to Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem, but really for it to reach its full glory with the rebuilding of the temple, which will hopefully be very, very soon.